0: Welcome to Deep Focus, a radio show about movies and New Haven. I'm your host, Tom Breen. I'm joined in the studio today by producer Bill Krauss and director Gorman Bashar to talk about a new, very exciting local documentary that they are working on called Factory, 150,000 square feet of sex, vice, music, art, and clocks. Gorman, I feel like of the many movies of yours that we've spoken about on the show, most of that title could probably describe something, except for the clocks. Sorry, I don't, think, I don't I, think the I, clocks, and maybe one hundred fifty thousand square feet is usually a bit yeah more yeah, that, 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 that would more be a space. Bit, yeah, unless we're
1: talking like a concert space that where <laughs> you know I, I filmed somebody in. But uh, yeah, the clocks are. But I think that that's what sort of makes that whole tagline funny because it doesn't really go. You know, <laughs>
0: the clocks not the most salacious of nouns or objects, no, I guess. No. But uh, but tell me why I'm wrong on that. Maybe, maybe there is a lot more curiosity, uh, Bill, as the producer here. went, could you introduce? me and the listeners to this this documentary that you and Gorman are working on. What's the basic story here, and I don't know, how, how'd you come to it? Yeah,
2: well, the, the film is really a, uh, a culmination of 10 years of work um, to try to save the New Haven Clock Company factory um, and, and, and uh, redevelop it as Affordable Artists Live Work Lofts. And just during that time... You know, I would hear these kind of vague stories, or you'd see these crazy things in the left in the building, like murals of neoclassical hermaphrodites, and like, what is this? You know, or uh, these amazing stories that are hard to believe, and very little detail. But ended up uh, tracking them down over the years, finding the people, doing research on it, and uh, the more I found out, the more amazing and crazy and rewarding it was to learn more and then uh, over the years of uh giving tours of the building it would take ultimately an hour to go through and tell the stories and people would just say oh you have to do something you got to make a movie you got to you know do a book and uh and the movie seemed like the obvious thing and gorman is you know an amazing movie maker so
0: so for any anyone in or near downtown new haven will likely know the building that we're talking about this is on hamilton street just east of worcester square near the mill river it is this massive i guess hundred and thirty thousand square foot i forget what's the 150 000 square foot uh <laughs> former factory building that dates back to the 1840s uh-huh. said with the, okay so so this is you know in uh you know one of the um the grandest relics of new haven's uh industrial past that for years has has sat vacant but i guess uh, v- vacant but not empty as as this yeah. um as this movie explores, uh, if you've been reading, you meaning the listener, have been reading The Independent for the past couple of years, you'll have seen that this project is about to be converted into 130 uh, affordable apartments and artist lofts. It's mm-hmm. uh, a, a Portland, Oregon-based uh, company is really doing a um, a, a very ambitious uh, renovation of this this huge space uh, in the way that uh, maybe previous owners uh, have have not been able to to revive it. Um, and is that the is that the trade that you come from Bill are you in the historic preservation world or what, like how how did you come to this building at yeah. all in the first place Well
2: um I first met this building in 1999 actually hmm. um, I have um you know fell in love with historic buildings when I was 10 um, but and where took, are you from are you from I'm from Ridgefield I grew up in a big old house in Ridgefield with lots of other historic houses so I kind of like got an education just wandering around and uh, it, it took me like you know 30 years to figure out how I wanted to interact with these buildings. So I, you know, rebelled. My parents were artists, so I rebelled and got an MBA and went into banking and real estate. But, um, for the last 20 years, I've been doing, uh, projects with historic buildings to help revitalize downtowns. And so as a uh, part of that, you always gather stories and, you know, do some research and help illustrate why these things are interesting and, f- and you know, fun worth saving. Um, and then, but this building if you add up all the stories of all the buildings for all the centuries of stories they have, it wouldn't equal well this.
0: And um, why did you encounter it first in 1999? What was it that well I was um, before
2: you? first I first came to uh, New Haven uh, looking for a site to do artist live work, which ultimately became um, the Reed's department store, Reed's Art Space in downtown Bridgeport. But uh, the Clock Factory was a potential site. I came and met Bitsy Clark at the time. And she said, oh, go over to the Cock factory and meet, you know, the owner is very outgoing. Um, And then uh, once the old owner passed away in the early 2000s, the mom remembered that he liked me and found my card and told the kids to contact me. And then we kind of started the journey from there.
0: Hmm. So Gorman, if if decades of interest in historic buildings and historic preservation brought Bill into um, an encounter with this pretty remarkable uh building in downtown new haven uh, how is it that that you came across these these many different stories and
1: well i mean it was building sort of like lured me into this at first we were just to make it as a short documentary but then the more you start hearing the stories the more you start realizing okay this is a crazy building and my wife and i are sort of obsessed with old industrial towns that have these boarded up buildings and you know every town as i say in the kickstarter every town has one um you know, or more. And, you know, what went on there, what's going on there now? And it's, you know, you think of it as, you really think of it as an eyesore. When you talk about it, you know, anyone who lives near there, if you're driving by on 95, the clock factory is one of the largest parcels, you know, that you can see from the highway. You cannot miss the clock factory. And it's always been there. I mean, you know, I threw up in there in the, in the late 80s, the Brick and Wood. I remember that very well. Maybe we'll
2: put you in the film.
1: Yeah okay, um, you know and no well actually the one of the kids band that I threw up at was was is in the film so but so everyone I think who's lived in New Haven sort of has a clock factory story it's that it's that it's that legendary of a building um, and and I'm trying to I started thinking instead of like trying to do you know a bunch of different buildings because uh, we had always talked my wife and I had always talked about a documentary on abandoned buildings instead of doing you know a bunch of different buildings in a bunch of different towns pick one that sort of represents every building and th- mm. that has the greatest collection of stories and I truly cannot imagine a building having a better collection of stories than this I mean it it's it's for, you know you don't even have to get to the redevelopment of it the building it's the building has like 500 lives
0: in the wonderful preview that is now available to watch uh, on the Let's see, the Kickstarter page that ultimately we will make sure to plug because you guys are in what post-production right now or you're raising money to finish the film? to finish production. tons of you. I
1: just actually just ran into Michael Bolton's brother, Oren, the other day, and he was just like, I had a recording studio in there. Let's talk. So hmm. it's just, I think, and now, of course, as, we're, as we've announced it, now people are going to start coming out of the woodwork.
0: So before we go further into the story, could someone quickly plug, uh, where is it, that if people are interested in, in giving money your way or learning more about it, um, where
1: our do they go? is the easiest, just ourkickstarter.com, and there are some really amazing rewards there, because you know when you back a project on Kickstarter, you get a reward. We actually have some original, one-of-a-kind rewards that we found in the actual building that we've put up there, besides the normal DVD, poster, associate producer credit, all of that, the normal stuff. There's some really cool things.
0: Can you give an example of uh, one of the cooler things that, found Bill, that you found? You can describe
1: these better than I can. <laughs>
2: sure. Well, yeah, a variety of things from you know clock pieces of clocks that I pulled out of the floorboards or out of the attic. So you know hands or uh, clock cases, but also things like you know artwork. There were you know lots of artists there in the you know from the 70s uh, through you know into the through the 90s. Hmm. Um, there were artists and musicians there. And uh, I found, like, this trove of stuff from 1979, this really cool art exhibit uh, with lots of different artists, um, some from New York and elsewhere and locally. Um, so, like, that's one of the, you know, we have this program. One of the coolest things
1: is, uh, okay, so you know there's always been a strip club for years of, of different names in, in the corner of uh, Hamilton and John, uh, in the, uh, that corner of the building. Well, there, is, there was a room where the featured dancers would... It was a dressing room. And they would leave notes to each other to the next feature dance or the previous, you know, on the written on the walls. And one of the rewards is a two by two foot cutout of the actual <laughs> wall with the stripper's writing. So I mean you're you're getting a literal
2: piece a of the clock. That's a New Haven deep cut right there. Yeah. Get a piece of the clock.
0: But none of this stuff is like radium encoded or a- everything. In that, or everything everything
2: there. Everything that's being uh, offered has been um uh, scanned.
0: Scanned. Okay. Yeah.
2: So, so if I, you shut off the lights right now, he is glowing. <laughs> right. I, am, I, I, right, not, <laughs> I didn't think the lights were on right now. Yeah. Like, Everything is so so visible. Yes, the building is part of me in many ways. <laughs>
0: Uh, you're listening to Deep Focus on WNHHLP, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm talking with Bill, uh, with producer Bill Krauss and director Gorman Bouchard about their new movie, a documentary about the uh, clock factory uh, on Hamilton Street uh, that has lived uh, many lives since it was first built in the 1840s uh, as, I guess, a kind of internationally renowned factory for, um, for, for clocks. Gorman, you mentioned about uh, three minutes ago that you threw up at a concert <laughs> At the clock factory. At the brick and, we and wood. We can't leave we can't leave that story uh too quickly without getting a bit more detail. So what, what was the brick and wood? What the, was this band you were seeing? The, and uh, what well, is I, it that made you buy could not I d I couldn't
1: I don't even remember my <laughs> friends the name of my <laughs> friend's band. It was in I remember it was in the middle of we were we were working uh, we had just finished Psychos in Love. We were working on some other horror film. This was like nineteen maybe eighty eight or so, I would hmm. think. Uh, maybe eighty seven. And um he, he he! it was one of my volunteers who's still a really good friend of mine. He's actually the guy who co-produced the Replacements documentary with mm. me now because he moved to Minneapolis. But at the time, he was only like 16. And him and his buddies had put together a hardcore punk band we went to see him. And I think I am probably maybe drank a little too much that night.
0: But so up until the late 80s, there was a functioning music venue at the clock shop. Like people, you oh, and yeah. your peers were going to see concerts. There, there, were, there?
1: there was, it, yeah, it, that not only showed hardcore stuff they showed r&b um i mean jazz performers played there i mean
2: yeah very famous people so that's part of why these stories are so amazing is you know some of them are are hard to believe just you know individual people like you know the guy that built an eight foot high half pipe on the top of the build you know top floor um and as i say like you wouldn't believe some of these stories without evidence so like there's a YouTube video of a on, shot by someone by on, from Thrasher magazine of Ricky Pelletier, skateboard legend, skating in the Clock Factory. Um, but uh, uh, one of the hooks here is that we track down these people. Like I heard all these stories from 20, 30 years ago, um, and track them down, and then brought we've brought them back into the building to be interviewed in the spaces where these stories occurred um, before it's renovated, and then. With corroborating evidence of some kind, so um, in these music clubs, people like um, you know the hardcore scene, Gigi Allen, um, Guar, uh, someone from Poison, someone from the, pl- from the Plasmatics, but Ian Hunter played the Brick and Wood. Ian Hunter and Ron- and Mick Ronson got together for the first time at Brick and Wood in the eighties, and um, but then there's R and B. There's you know Marion Meadows, or, or Run DMC, Freddie Jackson, um, uh, Marion and you know, one of Michael Jackson's sisters. Um, there was a, a country palace. Was It was the first one. I don't actually have information on that. If you know about country palace, 1980, let, let us know. Wait,
0: so this was like on the circuit for major oh, touring totally. artists. There, there was just, also, I mean, there was a gay
2: insane. bar with them, you know,
1: huh. where a number of like very famous uh, drag performers would perform. Well, and the village people. Yeah. Uh, there was an after hours club, which originally was just, you know, place for people who worked in bars to go and hmm. get a cup of coffee and hang out afterwards and then they went out a liquor license started selling liquor and uh that didn't go so well in the eyes of the police there was i mean there were just i mean obviously there were a number of strip bars including one of the most famous uh club international which had a swimming pool or a, a bathtub so to speak built in <laughs> cool. it, well, it was a small <laughs> it was a big bathtub built into its ceiling and dancers would be swimming over your head. It was glass. So,
0: do, so when when did this alternative history of the clock factory, do you know when the clock factory clock factory closed and yeah. when all of this crazy stuff started moving in?
2: Well, it closed in 1960. Hmm. Um, so it was there from 1842 to 1960. And as you say, is one of the largest and most innovative clock and watchmakers in the
0: world. I love the Rita Hayworth poster that you have in the trailer of her wearing the clock. And it says, even Rita Hayworth wears New Haven clocks or something like that. Yep.
2: <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's part of the thing it's like we've, all this research, you know, and then a lot of great images and things that nobody else has. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but so 1960s when the clock to close. 1960s when it closed. It closed. Mm-hmm.
2: And there are all these very distinguished people involved, you know, in the clock company history. Like Walter Camp, the father of American football, was president. Um, James English, who, you know, uh, became Gov- Connecticut governor and U.S. senator and helped found UI. He was one of the Officers um, and Chauncey Jerome, who founded the company, you know, revolutionized clock manufacturing in the eighteen thirties and forties. But then you get this huge shift to you know the post you know post industrial you know devolution of but all this life coming up. So I just heard the other day we were just saying like stories, new stories are coming out. Um, somebody told me that they went, uh, they were going to art uh, exhibits and hanging out with artists there in the earlier 70s and I have no other information about that and he doesn't either cuz he was like a friend of friends He's going to find out but I know that from you know 1979 on then you had this uh, paper mache it was always called the paper mache video institute which is what we got um this this uh, uh big you know program from um and they were doing like you know very significant sculptures um dance you know painting um they had this legendary show in 1984 called the 1984 Show, which had lines around the block. Uh, a lot of these stories, um, a lot of these things that happened there, many of them, you know, burned very brightly for a short time. So, like, you know, Brick and Wood, you know, supposedly like, you know, the best, one of the best black dance clubs, you know, in all of Connecticut mm-hmm. during that time. And these big headliners came, or during the hardcore scene, you know, a lot of great hardcore performers came. And and it was kind of like the home for these underage kids, you know, that were just getting into it, um, and uh, but then they kind of just a lot of turnover, you know, and and plus there are I mean the other stuff, you know, the motorcycle club, the badass white boys motorcycle <laughs> club, the pot grow house that was busted by the DEA, and when the DEA came in, they thought it was in the strip club, so they came in there with battering rams and handcuffed the ladies and put them on the floor. Uh, I think they did that on
1: purpose. Personally, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just like saying here. I'm throwing that out. And you there. have archival footage of that. <laughs> part, yes, we do. I'm sure. I, I have it. Really like, like, yeah, yeah. I, well, no, I have. And a I, mime I, troop. I have. Seen a mime I have. Troop. newspaper, I newspaper articles on,
2: on really? the Potker House thing. Um, if
1: anyone remembers the bar scene in the late '80s uh, in New Haven, you always remember going out, and there were always mimes there, almost forcing you to buy flowers for the woman that you were with, and that was
2: the mime troupe.
0: Is that, that right? Yeah. So they were based at a, they were they and living they in the clock factory? They lived in the clock factory. Wow.
2: They pioneered a whole, you know, living community there.
0: So who was, I don't know, like the man behind the curtain for all this, was there one owner at the time who was allowing all this stuff, who was kind of organizing all this stuff? Not or
1: organizing. I don't know. I think that might be the there. wrong, the wrong <laughs> word.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, um, yeah, the, the old owner, uh, who I don't think we are going to name, but um, was this very, um, you know, gregarious, outgoing, hmm. you know, kind of, free-thinking guy and uh he would just let you know oh you want to you know i think that's his personality is part of why all these creative people came there because he would connect with them um and he ran brick and wood um uh, for a couple of incarnations and i'm told you know people would come to see him Hmm. you know among other things so um i think it very much a reflection of his personality Fascinating. and uh, Interest.
0: and then did he i don't know just age and then the building kind of t- continued to deteriorate like why did this like this end for the because for my generation I'm, I'm 30 and i moved to new haven about a decade ago uh and i associate this type of uh, kind of free spirited arts uh you know underground off the record as happening at daggett street mm-hmm. which may have been a the daggett street arts complex which may have been a, a little bit simultaneous sounds like a, it was a few years after mm-hmm. um but i had had never really heard of the clock shop's history until And that uh, history was you know, much more organized. It was much more organized. Yeah, this Got was
1: it. more as someone says in the trailer, I felt like I was squatting but paying rent. Mm. So that sort of it was like, yeah, it it was it was much more loosey-goosey and mm. uh, it was a free-for-all, I think, at some point.
2: In a lot of ways. I mean when the yeah. when the mime troop came in, um that was perhaps a little more organized, but <clears throat> the owner said, you know, these are raw spaces, right? And the owner said, you know. Go down to the lawnmower repair guy on the first floor. He'll show you how to run the gas lines, run the electric, you know. And then they f- did. And they finished the spaces themselves. And, you know, many of them were beautiful. Um,
0: so, you, you, Bill, you mentioned uh, bringing a lot of the people who were at the clock factory at the time mm-hmm. in for interviews that are mm-hmm. featured in this movie. Could you single out one interview that you find particularly representative of uh, what this documentary has to offer or just the the crazy idiosyncratic stuff that was uh, happening at I'm the Clock Factory. one? Or it doesn't have to Hard be to the say. most representative. I mean, just, you be a know, it, 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 just to it. finish
2: on them, you know, when I tracked down initially, you know, the mime, he was one of the first ones that I went and tried to nail. So and the, what's his name? Um, Dmitry uh, Rimsky. And uh, his uh, troupe was called the Predalures. And, uh, the you know, the joke was, oh, I'm going to go interview a mime, you know. And... You know, I don't know if it would work on radio, but the, uh, but it turned out, you know, he was an artist and had all these, you know, photographs and great stories and original video from the time. Um, and, and it was just kind of like one of these, each discovering each one of these people was another just big unfolding of the stories. Um, I think, uh, JP, the, uh. The drag queen. I was, he,
1: his stories were great. Uh, you know, I who, don't know if they're repeatable on, on family. Some of them. <laughs> but, yeah, just give me the gist. His, his um, uh, he talked a lot about supposedly straight male dancers, <laughs> and would, and he would always use the quotation marks, So and and how he would get them ready for a show. That's, how about that? <laughs> that's, uh, that that works. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my favorites. So I thought that was hysterical. <laughs>
0: um, the well, you you mentioned uh, uh, Mr. Rinsky having some uh, not just. Newspaper articles about what happened, but video mm-hmm. archive or film archive. Uh, Gorman, as the the director here, you're obviously you know not just working with interviews and then current shots of the factory, but trying to compile oh, as yeah. much contemporary. Star- so, is there ex- existing footage that oh, you were yeah. able to tap there's, into? There's
1: there's a lot. And it Could be, you single out
0: one or two that you that made it in here? That like someone doing you know I think rolling on the half pipe is in the trailer. Someone yeah uh, that that's. There. I mean,
1: we just got in from. Ernst, uh, uh, you know, a video of people like uh, Jim Carroll playing at the, the, uh, the poet at the, the, uh, at the, uh, breaking wood and yeah. also, um, Hunter.
2: Yeah. Ian Hunter know. and Mick Ronson. We have the him on tape. Um, uh, the, um, the Deborah Lyle, not Deborah, the one that was, uh, uh Romeo, uh, void. The I can't think of what her name was, but yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah, so, so we
1: definitely have a lot of... And people keep showing up with pictures and stuff from the day. One of the most famous things that happened there, the most infamous party in Yale history, sex ball. Every year, year architecture schools always throw these crazy themed parties. And uh, I guess the year before, they had gotten into trouble for... Where, wherever they had had it, they caused too much of a ruckus. They figured this year, they would have... Uh, uh, what well, this year, what was that? 80, 84. 84 they would have it in a place where they couldn't d- damage anything because it was basically a vacant building more or less and uh, they had what was called the sex ball yes and what was what was the ta- great tagline
2: i think we get If you don't it. like it don't come <laughs> yes so it you know as I, as i have to say you know this wasn't an orgy it was a fancy dress ball uh-huh. and it was in this 100-year-old tradition of, of called the beaux arts balls which goes back to the cold beaux arts in paris in the 1890s And so it's, you know, fancy dress bacchanalia. And when I first, uh, you know, so this was where the uh, paint, the murals of the neoclassical hermaphrodites was from. It was painted by the fine arts students. And it's still there, you know, I don't know, 40 years later. And um, when I, I didn't, you know, 100% know what that was connected to. But when I first, the first person I uh, contacted that knew about it, oh my god, the best party I've ever been to in my life was a sex ball when I graduated from the Yale School of Architecture. And would, the funny thing is, every time I talked to anybody else, they would spontaneously say, oh, it's the best party I've ever been to in my life. you know. And uh, hundreds of people drinking dancing all night, all these co- you know sex-related costumes themed. And one of the things that's, again, really interesting is that um, the judges, sex ball judges, uh, you know, were in the For tuxedos, and one of them was uh, uh, the dean of the school, um, architecture school, Vincent Scully, who was like a giant, you know, anybody who studies architecture, right, reads his books as I did. And um, sort of like, you know, it, it's just like, oh my God, all these, there's one thing after the, another, but is, is part to make it into the movie, there has to be some kind of corroborating evidence, right? It's so like, we have the picture of him, you know, we got Jim, video of Jim Carroll, we have video of Rick Ronson, we've got, you know, uh, the skateboard park and, and Ricky Pelletier,
0: so, so you know, if you want to see Vincent Scully judging costumes at a sex ball, or <laughs> had, with a lot of other drunk had judges, the
1: even recently yeah. we were this we were having a meeting out. about something, and there's a guy who was scavenging through the building just like looking for anything's of value, and he says, "You guys need to come see this." And I had my camera with me, and, we got, and he's, he cr- he's crawling under this part where the floor had collapsed, and he pulls out a giant trash bag and a case. And from these, he starts pulling out a first like a sawed-off shotgun, then a Uzi, then a street sweeper, then a version, a French version of a AR-15. All of these automatic weapons. And I, in my head, I'm thinking to myself, "Why? I hope this guy's not a psycho, uh, you know." But and I think you were probably thinking the same thing. No, no, no. He, no
2: he he was working for us. He's yeah. if, thank God he was like a ex Navy SEAL or something like that. So we actually knew what they were, knew how to handle them.
1: You know, and of course, them. because they were just hidden like that, we sort of had, we had to call the New Haven police who had to take them because if they were tied to a crime, you know, uh, and we, they were caught, we were found with them, obviously we would be tied to the crime, but we turned them in, but it's like, that's the kind of crazy stuff we're finding in the clock. Yeah, even, That was like even a couple months ago. Yeah. Right? That, was, yes. that
0: was incredibly recently. Um, well, if you are interested in this movie and maybe most importantly, interested in helping this movie uh retruition and so you can see it on a big screen. Go to our O U R Kickstarter.com and you can donate some money and get a whole bunch of interesting see the trailer stuff there. that is yeah. definitely and not a lot of Um and uh lot do you I don't is it do you have a timeline for when you're hoping to finish this movie or where you're hoping to where people can watch the finished four well, minutes I, in the early stages now.
1: Uh, we can't talk about actually the next the the next part where you're gonna see parts of the film. But I'm hoping to have a rough cut done for uh, that film festival in New Haven that happens in
0: June. That's right. Yeah. I uh, which I should have introduced, uh, <laughs> Gorman, as being one of the co-founders and co-directors of the New Haven Documentary Film Festival for everyone, I'm sure, who went and enjoyed that 11-day fest this year.
1: And also, if they if they were at the pizza screening, they saw the trailer. Uh, we, that was right. where that's we right. premiered the trailer.
0: Um, one more question for you both. And it's it's uh, a general one, but I'd love to hear your take on it, which is just why is this story worth telling in the first place it's incredibly entertaining and bizarre strange and it's right next to us but i don't know is this uh does this say anything bigger about new haven or is this i mean you've talking about how every city especially in the northeast has you know this type of building sitting right down in the middle of it they're often you know uh empty falling apart contaminated uh and very mysterious i think they're they're uh you know, relics of a bygone era that 21st century uh, city dwellers don't really understand why it takes up so much space. Why, why is the story of the clock factory in New Haven I don't know, worth telling in a documentary for you too?
2: You know, it really helps illustrate a lot of things. Like One is you know, why these buildings are important. You know, it's the stories connected to them is, is a big part of it. Um, there, these are stories as well that typically don't make it into the history books, um, and I think it's really important social history, um, these are really also important times in people's lives. They're uh, representative of many different, you know, cultures or subcultures or countercultures um, that often go un- unrecorded. So, um, you know, and, and the, this theme of sort of, of creativity and uh, freedom and thinking outside the box and making your vision a reality really threads right from through from the founder, Chauncey Jerome, in the 1840s, through, you know, baddest white boys motorcycle club, and their incred- incredible space, or the, the mimes creating their space, or like artists creating their art, or the performers, you know. Uh, so, it's hard to wrap it all up succinctly, but you know that sort of gets to part of it.
1: it. It it's a building of dreams and dreamers, uh, and it, it, the building is as much the building is the main character. I mean, it's almost like when you go and, you know, why do you make a documentary about any famous artist? You know, because you're, you're studying him and his work. Well, the building is, is that in this case, and these are the people that pass through it. It's almost like the building created these little works of art in people, um, you know, or works of maybe not so much art, you know, I mean, depending on, on which group we're talking about, but, the, the, the building sort of gave lives or life and lives to so this, this really diverse, I mean, ridiculously diverse group of people from a motorcycle club to, uh, you know, a, a gay bar to mime troupe to the paper mache video Institute, which did as, as I love how Bitsy Coleman talks about it in the trailer. She said, that was my first exposure to oddball art, you know, but it's like, <laughs> Bitsy, it's just, Bitsy Clark, Bitsy Clark. Sorry. Um, you know, so it, it, there's, there's just so much there you know that's you know legal illegal and everything in between uh, moral amoral <laughs> immoral i mean it's it's it, it's sort of it it's it, it sort of encompasses i think the underground of america in the past 40 years is is pretty much it it, it more or less happened in that building that building is is the perfect example of of what
0: and as as the host of a show that's dedicated to all things New Haven and movies, I couldn't think of a better subject to to talk about and promote on this show. So, uh, producer Bill Krauss and director Gorman Bouchard are uh, the filmmakers behind Factory, 150,000 square feet of sex, vice, music, art, and clocks about the New Haven Clock Company. Thank you both so much for coming on the show, and uh, best of luck, and go to ourkickstarter.com if you're interested in supporting this movie anything else you guys want to plug while you're here about this movie or anything else you're working on
1: um if they uh if they check the arts council listings at the end of the week there's going to be an invitation up there for a special reception we're having so if you respond to it you know I, 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 we're, we probably can get you in so come on down and have a
2: glass of beer or a glass of wine at the clock factory
0: anything else from you bill is that that's a uh... That's very, okay. It's
2: a ten years the culmination of a ten year labor of love and and i am so excited the by the way Gorman has like captured the excitement and the importance and the diversity, you know, in a 25 minute trailer. Um anybody that sees the trailer will understand why, you know, I've devoted so much of my life to
1: this. Yeah, watch the trailer. even if you don't even if, if you, you don't want to give to the Yeah, even if you're not giving go and watch the trailer just and you'll I you'll enjoy it. I mean you don't even need to be from New Haven. You will just
0: smile. And that trailer is at our kickstarter.com. Bill Gorman, thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Thank you.